and punch down on that subscribe button. Pause this episode. Pause this episode. Pause this episode, man, and go get that done for me. Rate and review this show. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Rating and reviewing the show helps Combo's Court tremendously. Today's show, Spencer Davies of Basketball News joins in to talk about the D-Rose Knicks trade, potential first-time All-Stars, Jay Sean Tate's emergence, and more. Go check out the Basketball News app by searching basketballnews.com right in the App Store. You can find Spencer on Twitter at Spin Davies. That's S-P-I-N-D-A-V-I-E-S. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Spencer Davies of Basketball News, welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good, Andrew. It's just a little bit too cold outside for my liking, but that's what we get here in Cleveland. So, Hey, it's like that here in New York, Spencer. It's like that here in New York. Spencer, uh, tell me more about Basketball News. I know you wear a lot of hats there. Oh, man, we've got just such a good thing going on there right now, man. Uh, we've got so many different types of contributors, uh, a very uh, diverse staff. We've We've got you know, former players, current players, former coaches, um, all contributing in their own ways. We have a podcast network, 12 different podcasts that you can listen to. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. It really is. Um, you know, we get really good perspectives. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., for example, just wrote a great article for us uh, on, you know, the Wizards having the COVID issues and how they had to miss two weeks. We got a great, great perspective and background from that whole situation from Troy. Uh, we've had, you know, Kenyon Martin write articles for us. He has a great podcast called Neat and Unfiltered that just premiered with Jada Kiss as his co co-host, my favorite rapper. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, so we've, we've got a lot of big things going on at basketballnews.com. Uh, and then of course you have the little guys like me and Alex, uh, <laughs> what we, what we do is we just kind of, you know, get the ship running. We, you know, we post everything, we edit everything. And then of course, uh, we are writers. So we do our own interviews with players and, and coaches and you know just kind of just deal with the respective teams and and follow the season so again do a lot of great work uh where we're at so make sure to go check it out we're still we're still kind of new so now you guys are doing great you guys are great on the on the clubhouse app it's uh it's been fun it's been fun everybody who's tuned in go check out basketball news man go check it out hey initial re initial reaction initial thoughts on the d rose trade i think some people might call it short-sighted um Obviously, Tibbs and D. Rose is usually a, you know, it's a good match. You know, they're familiar with each other. They know each other. But what were your initial thoughts and reactions to that trade? Tibbs and D. Rose, three for three, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Chicago, Minnesota, and now New York. Um, I was not exactly thrilled with this move. And I understand the, the thought process behind it. If you're Tibbs, if you're Leon Rose and Scott Perry, just the, the, the fact that the Knicks are in a position right now where they could be battling for that play in spot or a potential end of, you know, the, the seating playoff spot. 
so I get it there. What I don't like is that they're actively taking away minutes from Emmanuel quickly. And that's yeah. somebody who is on the rise right now. Uh, he's taken over a number of games already uh, down the stretch big time. So my, my question is, why would you actively hold somebody like that back when they are on the rise and they're making the right plays? They're really, you know, not bashful at all. Uh, as far hard, as hard and toughness. When I think of quickly float, actually hard toughness and floater. Yes. Floater, <laughs> floater from the free throw line every time. Uh, but even coming off those pin downs and, and coming off screens hard and dragging yeah. the defender with you, he had like a couple four point plays the game. I watched him against Cleveland. Yeah. He's uh, versatile in that sense. You're right. Defensively, yeah. just the, the way that he sticks to his man, like glue that that's the kind of stuff that I feel like Tibbs would appreciate and want to see him out on the floor more. And it's, it's got to be difficult to allocate minutes to Austin Rivers, Alfred Payton, guys that are veterans and really have been places in this league uh, and have had that experience. I understand that. But throwing another veteran like Rose into this equation just doesn't quite make sense to me. Does it mean that Austin Rivers is going to get moved somewhere else? Because, I mean, there's, what, five guards in the, in the backcourt now that you're going to have to find time for? Yeah. There's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen there, right? Right. I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? That that's my question, and and that's not really one that's been answered so far. Uh, I am happy for Dennis Smith Jr. though uh, going over to Detroit. Gonna um, get some reps. He's gonna get some reps. He should get some reps. He absolutely should. Um, and he's needed an opportunity to do something. And Detroit's a perfect place for it right now because obviously they're at the you know the bottom of the bottom. Even though there's you know some guys like Jeremy Grant are, are doing a great job. And even DeLon Wright too, it, which sucks for him, by the way, because Dennis is probably going to soak up some of his minutes. But yeah, uh, you know, it's it's always a numbers game in this league. And I don't get me wrong; I know what D Rose is. I know what he brings to the table. Uh, in, in you know, just that that intensity and the way that he attacks the basket. He might not quite have the same athleticism as he had the first time he was under Tibbs, but yeah. he does bring you know a solid you know mid range game and and those just like reverse layups. So he, he has a whole package. We know that. Uh, but it just kind of sucks for Emmanuel quickly in my eyes. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, another guy on the rise. I noticed on your timeline, you like to talk about guys on the rise. I like that. You know, you talk about some of the guys that people aren't talking about. Uh, people are talking about Colin Sexton though. He has been on the rise. I liked his game since I saw him in summer league back in 2018. So, you know, I thought he played super hard on defense. He had a knack to get in the lane you know, just tough. And I really liked his game when I saw him in summer league. What do you feel Colin Sexton's role would be on a great team or a championship contending team or a playoff team? Cause we see what his role is now, but what do you think his role can be on a team like that? Or could it be the same role? I, I don't like putting ceilings on guys. So okay. that right there, it's a tough question to answer because where he's at right now, I see him as a secondary or third scorer yeah. on one of those teams, but I think he can get there to be your primary scorer type of deal. Uh, I see a lot of comparisons and I do not like player comps. Do not, <laughs> do not get me wrong there. I think they're fun, but, but it's always hard to find the, like a great match or a perfect match. But a lot of people that, that draw comparisons to him, uh, you know, Western conference, you know, upstarts like Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, you know? Oh uh, uh, yeah. Those but are, yeah, well, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray to me are so different. So that right there just tells you that. Right, but it, like it, some sort of mixture of that. You know, okay, like Donovan's okay. really hit his stride as a playmaker. Collins doing that this year. He's averaging four assists a game. 
uh, you know, career best to this point. He's been coming really good secondary playmaker looking for, you know, his bigs on the lob, which has gotten so much better. His placement on his passes have been better. My favorite kind of pass that he's been making this year has been actually cross court. One of the worst passes you can make in basketball, but he's good at them uh, just from, from elbow to elbow or corner to elbow, whatever it may be. He has like very improved vision there. You know, when the double team comes, he's doing a really good job of finding pockets for bigs like Andre Drummond and Jared Allen and JaVale McGee. Uh, There's just vast improvement in that. The the reads he's been making, you know, he's always had the float shot. Uh, He he loves to, when the big drops, he loves to pull up that mid-range. And he's deadly, like right there. But uh, there's also those opportunities where, if he's on the perimeter and his defender goes under a screen on you know, a high screen, he's going to pull a three and he's been doing that at a very good, good rate this year. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, the Cavs have gotten away from three pointers, uh, which has been an emphasis of JB Bickerstaff here, um, you know, going forward. So he's kind of, you know, taken that away and been more, you know, of, of a rim attacker uh, as of late, but just the, the, the whole package that you're seeing from Colin on the offensive end is, is just growth and development. And, um, you know, right now, again, on a championship team, yeah, that he's a second, third scorer, maybe even a fourth scorer, who knows, depending on what talent they have. But for this Cavs team, he's the go-to guy, and there's no question about it. Yeah, yeah. I like how the guys are playing there, Javel, Jared Allen. Uh, it, it's been fun. You know, there's so many teams that aren't contenders that are really fun this year. You know, we see Charlotte. We see even the Knicks. We see Cleveland. Even Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's bad, but I like I like the guys on their team. Like, I like some of the guys on their team, you know? What I tried to tell everybody on my podcast is it feels like everyone's, like, close to that 500 mark. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does. But, but, I mean, you mentioned a team like Minnesota. I love seeing, you know, Malik Beasley really yes. come and do his own this year. Um, Anthony, I was showing great flashes. Yes, yes. yes. I, I, I'm a big fan. You, you mentioned it. I like guys who are on the rise. I like guys that kind of come up from nothing. You know, like Jalen Knoll, somebody yeah. who's scored like in double figures for four straight games, you know, just taking an opportunity and running with it. Nas Reed, uh, you know, even Jared Vanderbilt. You know, those types of guys, those are the, 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 the players that, that I really take a liking to. because Even bring know, it to Houston, Jay Sean Tate. You know exactly. Hey, and you got to shout out Jay Sean Tate. That's an Ohio State Buckeye. Okay, okay. That I'm from. (laughs) So I actually knew Jay Sean Tate's game pretty good, um, just watching the Buckeyes over those four years. So did you think he? What kind of NBA career did you project him to have back then? I didn't expect him to be in the NBA at all. Wow. I thought he was too. I I thought he was too small. Uh, And at the time, he might have been a little too small, especially you know to to maintain that that three slash four position, whatever you want to refer to it as uh, what I'm seeing from him in the Rockets this year. I, I think that he's kind of transitioning into that PJ Tucker role and what better way to do it than learn from the guy himself. Like he's a glue guy. He's a great glue guy. Yep. And that, that goes for both ends of the floor. We obviously know, you know, the impact he makes defensively and the, and the, the energy he brings, you know, kind of just reading those passing lanes, getting steals, uh, really in the post, just holding his own ground, uh, I think has been really awesome to watch. And then offensively, he's just making the right passes. He's made a number of like no look passes. Um, he's finished well. He's good in transition. You know, the, the jump shot needs a little bit of work and it, you know, it was the same way at Ohio state, but uh, just overall, I think no one expected, you know, a, a guy who signed from, from overseas to be in contention for rookie of the year, but he's doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, another guy from Australia might win rookie of the year. Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. Especially now that he's been starting and he's yes. been getting more minutes. So he's, he's fun to watch. So here's my thing. The two guys I was highest on in the draft, the two guys I talked about the most was, was Tyrese Halliburton and then Edwards, which was not a surprise. You know, he, he was the top pick anyway. So when you're looking at Halliburton and LaMelo and comparing those two guys, how would you look at, how would you project their NBA career to go going forward? Like, what do you see from them and what do you think they could be? I know you don't like to put ceilings on guys, so, you know, just put it through the roof, you know, tell me what you think they could be and how are they different? Oh man. Well, so Tyrese Halliburton, I feel just kind of has that, that IQ uh, on both ends. Yep. He's, he's, he's kind of, it's hard to explain. Maybe it's just because he knows when to make the right play and when he can, you know, maybe gamble on stuff. Uh, defensively, he's just all, all heart. Uh, th- that guy. And always at the right spot. IQ and heart. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Always yeah. at the right spot. That's a great way to put it. Um, and, and offensively, obviously we knew his, his shot wasn't his strength coming into this a- actually class. catch and shoot was really good in college like catch and shoot numbers were great right but people looked at the percentages and kind of just assumed you know because even if he's not good on the pull-up. i think a lot of that was the form too like people were they didn't like the form right the so. form yeah yep mm-hmm. but i mean hey if a form works for you <laughs> it works for you right definitely and definitely he's, he's made some really clutch jumpers uh this year he's yeah. made some clutch plays you know just even the driving kicks uh you know saving the ball from going out of bounds uh it, the Kings don't get me started on them because I just don't know who they are. They've won like, five well, yeah, he's a, he's a winning. So he, yeah, he's a winning player on a losing team. And I think they have a few winning players on their team. Like I like, you know, Rashad Holmes and, and uh, I even like buddy healed, man. You know, I like those guys. Yeah. No love for the reigning e- uh, Western conference player of the week. You know? Yeah. No explosive, man. He's, but going, but going back to that though, with Hallie, like I, like I said, I just feel like he has a good head on his shoulders. He's a very mature. He, he, he's kind of got a game that, you know, represents, you know, three or four years experience in, in the college realm, even though he only had, what was it? Two. I think it was two. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was two. LaMelo on the other hand, you see more flash. Yeah. But it's not only just flash though. He's, he's a really heady player and playmaker. And that's something we always knew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that special pass fi- finding guys in the pocket, finding miles bridges on the lob, the lobs, the transition passes from like three quarters court have been ridiculous. They're always on point. Uh, the three point jump shot, he's getting more confident in it every time. Um, he hasn't been afraid to attack the lane. Unlike his brother. Um, I, I think that defensively he's going to figure it out. It's just going to take him some time because he's just not had to focus on that. end for m- most of his career, I mean, to be yeah. honest, like, I think that he has the want and he has the tool and he has the work ethic. Uh, you know, when you, you know, talk to James Borrego and you talk to his teammates, it, it sounds like he's, you know, the, the, uh, the ultimate professional. And, and that was kind of a misconception of him coming into the league. Is that, yeah, I guess, related, I guess, those, right? yeah, I guess those indicators of uh, the, the interviews aren't always a great indication of how a kid will be act in the NBA, you know, because right. you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you could see it from the outside, look it in, like I'm not in the locker room, but I could watch the game and how he he's engaged with his coaches and his teammates has just been great. Yeah. And he's been talking to his teammates all the time. Like, for example, I remember, what was it like a month ago that 
LaMelo had a chance at his first triple double. And uh, there was a point where he tried to get an assist or tried to get a rebound, something like that. And Bismack Biombo didn't like it. And there was like a little bit of a shoving match after, even though LaMelo thought he was playing around, Biz wasn't playing around. Uh, but that's a good thing to, to have a veteran like that to tell you, you know, this isn't what we're about. Uh, it, because at that point of the game, they were only up six. If they were up nine, it's a different story maybe. But, uh, you know, you, you give the, the other team a chance to, you know, tie it up. And I think the score, the, uh, the other team didn't tie it up, but they scored on the next possession or something. Those types of moments are the learning experiences that he's going to need. And, and the veterans like Biz and, you know, Hayward and Zeller, those, those guys are going to teach him. And lo and behold, the next game after that, he got his first tri- triple-double and became the youngest to, to record one. So right. it, it's all about patience with him. And I, I don't think that he's going to go by the wayside. I think he's going to continue to turn into a tremendous ball player yep. uh, and, and get even better. Yeah, most but definitely. between those two, I have no idea who's going to win the rookie of the year. I think it's between those two and Jayshon Tate's like a, a dark horse candidate. But yeah, yeah, you know, Wiseman and Edwards aren't totally out of it yet. Like oh, I feel, no. I feel like Edwards once he gets it, like we could see a forty point game. Like we could see that once in a while. Most definitely, and yeah. I think with Anthony Edwards, and I tweeted this out last week. I was like, if you want to look at his analytical numbers and you want to judge him for going against the best of the best that the NBA has to offer. And because he has a negative RPM or a negative box plus minus, whatever you want to call it. And you're going to bury him after 20 something games, be my guest because it's stupid. Uh, He has the tools. He's a very raw prospect. He needs to continue to gain experience and he needs to continue learning to shoot better shots. And I think his shot selection over the last week, week and a half has been a lot better. And yeah, I, think he's I would been agree. More efficient, and he's shooting the ball better. And so, yeah, and, and the thing with him. yeah, the thing with him is is that he could get his shot off so easily at any time. That sometimes that's a gift and a curse, right? Because he could just get it off. Like his elevation is good. Like he gets it off when he wants. He's super athletic. And when you're a guy like that, you might sometimes shoot the wrong shot, quote unquote, because you're just so talented. You know. Right. Right. And, you know, just don't go one on three or whatever yeah, on yeah. break, or go one on, you know, one on two in, in the half court. And, and yeah. but the thing is though, with, with, with Edwards, I think once he develops that three point shot and gets it to, you know, 35, 36%, he's at 32 yeah. right now. Yeah. Not uh, too far guys off. Are, guys there. are going to start closing out a little harder. And once that happens, he's going to be able to zoom right to the basket and just dunk on dudes. Like, yeah, it's going to be nasty. That's when you're going to see the NBA spacing really benefit him because that was my thing in college. Like the guys he was playing with, no offense to them, just the spacing wasn't there like it will be in the NBA. So that's why I thought he'd really flourish in the NBA, him coming out. Just him and NBA spacing, I just thought was a good combination. And that's very similar to what, you know, happened with Colin Sexton at Alabama. Yeah. You know, like it's a very similar situation. You can't really judge these guys or, you know, take their, their prospects of, you know, evaluating ta- talent and kind of translating that into the NBA, you can't really predict it. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, guys play out of position or they do better, you know, do for the better of the team at that time, but their skill set might not exactly be on display when they're playing in college. So, yeah. you know, like, a- again, that's why I always kind of take draft evaluations with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, I want to shift to the jazz because I think if the Lakers stay healthy, they'll win it all. But 
for any team, you know, health is the factor, right? Health is the factor with everything. But if the Jazz stay its course, and, you know, I guess we say they're under the radar every year, right? <laughs> but I think this is really a year where things are hitting on all cylinders. Michael Conley is, he's actually having a career year. If you, yes, really, wa- if you really watch what he's doing. The thing with them is though Rudy does and players like Rudy do lose some value in the playoffs. And that's always an issue with them, I feel. But do you feel this team could really come out the West if they just stay its course? Come out of the West? I don't know. And I, I hate to be this guy, but I hate predictions just because I, mm, there's so many elements that go into it. And like you said, health is definitely one of them, especially with, I, yeah. well, I think if they just stay healthy, they have a chance. Like they, they should, you know? they should. And I'll tell you why, because their offense is one of the best in the league. So and many guys, la- so many guys. What's the last time we said that, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody looks at the head of the snake with, with Donovan Mitchell and rightfully so, because he's balling, he's, he's straight up balling this year uh, and, and really carrying the load too, when any of the guys are out. Uh, but you mentioned Mike Conley, he's having a very efficient season. Unfortunately he has a hamstring injury right now and, you yeah. know, uh, missed the last game. I don't know how much longer he's going to miss. Uh, but Rudy, we know is a defensive monster. Uh, offensively it's, it can be a little inconsistent, but that's also because, you know, he's not a three point shooter and that's what the jazz do. They get up the most, you know, threes in the league, almost uh, 42 a game. And do you think he, lo- do you think he loses some of his value on defense in the playoffs? It depends on what kind of matchup he has, because if there's a matchup where a center like Jokic draws him out to the perimeter or AD even exactly. Yeah. Then the guards have more of an opportunity to drive. Um, if there's yeah. somebody who's more of a, you know, built type of dude uh, i'm trying to think in the west who who that could be maybe a nurkic maybe a, a canter i guess um yeah well canter's like, def- canter has his own defensive issues yes he does <laughs> yes he does we're, we're, we're not gonna go down that road but, yeah no not right now no but but like a more you know a guy on the block guy you know who's gonna be in the post more getting more rebounds a steven yeah. adams how about that like okay you know, okay s- yeah s- somebody like that then i think that's a better matchup for rudy uh but, but going back to the Jazz just as a whole, we don't even, we, you know, we need to talk more about Bojan Bogdanovich. They didn't yeah, have man. him in the bubble last year. And clearly that's where some offensive problems, you know, came from that because they were starting, you know, they were playing guys like Jawan Morgan and starting him in playoff games. And, you know, Joe Ingles, he had more asked of him on the offensive end. Like, and Mitchell like, had a heavy yeah, load, obviously, you know? Yeah. Oh, sure. sure. Like I, I, for them, I think it has to be a collective, you know, it has to almost be like, not that they're the same type of team, but it has to be a Detroit Pistons type of thing when they won the championship, where it's everybody coming together and winning it. Not really like Donovan Mitchell as their super, superstar. Like that's how I see them winning a title. If it were to happen, not saying that I think it will happen. Right. And I think the, the biggest part of this is their offense isn't fast. They're yeah. executing all of this in the half court. Like high IQ guys. Yeah. Yeah. High IQ guys. It's kind of Skilled. old school. It's a combo of old school and, and new school in a way. Yeah. Cause uh, they get their threes up. Yeah. But they, they, they get, you know, they're, they're making 40.3% of their threes and they're taking 42 of them. Like that's yeah, yeah. as a team, that's a ridiculous rate, man. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're getting a lot from, like I said, from bogey, um, Royce O'Neal, uh, not yeah. only shooting the ball well, but just being a great glue guy, uh, you know, moving. He's underrated. He's definitely he's a underrated. great passer. He's a great passer and he's yeah. a tough nosed defender. 
Uh, you know, we haven't that's even a, brought Utah's a team, man. They're a team. We haven't even brought up Jordan Clarkson, who could definitely be a candidate for sixth man of the year, the way that he's playing and the way that he's improved his, you know, not only his 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 playmaking skills, but he's somehow gotten better as a scorer. He's almost averaging 18 a game. Yeah. And I think so, this is just a great fit and situation for him. Like they let Jordan Clarkson be Jordan Clarkson. And one underrated element, too, of this Jazz team that they did not really have last year was a backup center. They brought back Derek Favors. Yeah. And that's somebody who knows this team. He, he's been in, in this locker room for a long time, had that one year in, in New Orleans because of the trade. But that, don't underestimate that because uh, because Favors is the ultimate pro uh, and, and he still has plenty of, you know, tread left on those tires. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to get your all-star thoughts. Any potential first-time all-stars that you would like to get see get the nod this year? And RCP3 and LeBron James, are they on the same page when it comes to the all-star game? Ooh, well, the first, the first question, I think it's definitely either some miscommunication or change of thought. Uh, yeah. The, the all-star game, this is a tough one because – Chris wants to help out, you know, HBCUs. He wants to do charity work for COVID and that's you know, great. Uh, it's clear that a good chunk, if not the majority of the players association wanted to have that break that they were promised. And the way that LeBron worded it was that the NBA and the NBPA told them that they were going to have this break from the fifth to the 10th. They're going to have a week to spend with their families and their friends uh, because these strict protocols have not have allow allowed them to do that this yeah. year. So having the all-star game in Atlanta is almost like a, a disappointment to them because they had been told one thing and then the other is, you know, reportedly trying to be happening. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still not set in stone yet. They're still negotiating this. So, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's any change in plans or, you know, ways that they're going to go about it, but I don't think Chris Paul is on the same page with a lot of other players. Um, but he also has some guys that share the same thought with him just because they want to feel that electricity. That is all-star weekend. Yeah. And I, I would think, it's, I not would a, think it's not a singular opinion deal. Like th this is a very complex with, with, opinion and with uh you know feeling i think it's honestly less about the virus and more about the time out time off if, if i'm going to be completely honest now there are some players that are are concerned and say that why do we have these protocols for us and why can't we do all this stuff but then you can have a cash grab all-star game and also compromise those protocols by doing it this way and yeah. shipping all these players from different cities into Atlanta, where by the way, Atlanta is not very good with their COVID numbers. It's, so, it's, op it's open there. That's yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. So I think that's more, that's more what that's like. Uh, I don't know what your, your thoughts on it are. I'm kind of indecisive on how I feel about the all-star game, kind of leaning more towards mm, why are we doing it? But yeah, I see both sides. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to see some first time all stars get the chance to play, but then on the other on the other hand, if it's a game that nobody wants to play in, would it be exciting for them anymore? Right. You know, and if there's no fans there, what's the point of that? Yeah. You know, so like, it's not All Star Weekend without that electricity. Like 
there's some teams in the NBA. I think the, the number is definitely increasing of, of attendance and, and them being able to fill 10% or 20% capacity. Well, yeah. Well, now that is. the, now that the vaccinations are going out, I think we'll see that go up and up. Right. Right. And that's yeah. going to happen over time gradually. So we'll see how that affects that. And I don't know, again, I don't know if there'd be fans in attendance at this, this game. We obviously saw that the Hawks have had fans in their arena. If you don't remember, I think they would, I think they would, yeah, <laughs> I think they would probably make that happen. If uh, there'd probably be some kind of fans in the, you know, yeah. some fans in the building there. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I probably think so too. Yeah. So who would you like to see get a nod? Even if it's only a list, even if it's no game, if there is a game, like I'm thinking Zach Levine, Christian Wood, like who do you think deserves a nod that never has been in an all-star game before? Well, let me ask you this. What's your criteria? Does it matter what the team's record is or does it go by? Of course it for you? Of, Yeah, of course it matters. Of course it matters. But then, you know, with Beal, like. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you're averaging those kind of numbers, it, it outweighs it in, in some ways. Uh, right. But and everyone's going to get snubbed. I mean, there, there, there's there always be snubs. Yeah. There's always, be always going to be a snub. That's part of the uh, point. Of, I mean, it's a select group. That's part of the point of all-star game, you know? It is. Yeah. It is. Um, so who would you like to see in there? Who do I think is going to be in there? Or who do I like to see? Both. And then we'll okay. get out of here. Let's go who I'd like in the East. I think that Tobias Harris has had a very good bounce back here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Season so far. And him and Doc Rivers are just a match made in heaven. I've been saying that since the si- since uh, they, yeah. they got him aboard. And the roster construction has been great for him. Just more spacing for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jalen Brown. Yeah, uh, I think that he has to make it. Yeah, definitely uh, agree, hundred percent. Do all three nets make it for you? That's that's a, I think that's a, a fair question, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. Who, who who wouldn't make it? I think that the one argument you could have is Kyrie because he just because of his time missed games. Yes, it's the one argument I think you could have. Uh, Julius Randle. <laughs> I mean, no one thought that the next the the, the Knicks would be even close to 500 at this point before the season. But yeah, but I would say out of everybody you name and shouts to the Knicks, probably the Knicks fans will be mad at me. Like I would say that everybody you've named so far probably has a, you know, is more likely to be on that all-star team than him. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love I the would... way he's playing. Like he got in better shape. He's a more willing passer. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it sucks that they're at the bottom of the conference, but I think that Jeremy Grant has about proved everybody and every single soul that said he got overpaid or made a stupid decision wrong. Um, because I mean, Detroit's got a five and 18 record, but you'll see that they have a lot of losses that are, you know, within probably five to 10 points. So they've been up there at the very least. Is it the fair, is it fair to say he was right about his own ability? I think so. I'm watching yeah. this dude. I mean, did you see Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing that against the Lakers. I mean, he's he's becoming a complete player in a, a very short amount of time, and that means that he's he's just working extremely hard. Yeah, I always say the most improved award is usually just the better opportunity award in reality. Right, right. Um, this, this wouldn't be a first-time all-star per se, but I think DeMar DeRozan deserves his first Western Conference nod. Okay. Um, just Playing because well, yeah. the, the Spurs are, are up there in the middle of the pack. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I think, has to get consideration. Yep, mm. yep. He really turned it up second half of this first half, if you will. 
you know. <laughs> Second half of the first half. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, no question. Spencer Davies, Basketball News. Thanks for joining in. Um, Where could we find you on social media and everywhere else? I'm at Spin Davies on Twitter, at Spin Davies on Instagram, trying to get that follow up as well. Uh, and then you can look me up on Facebook, uh, just Spencer Davies, just my journalist channel and all that stuff. And uh, you can find my work at basketballnews.com, as you just mentioned. Ton of interviews that I've done already uh, so far this year. Did one with Mikel Bridges, did one with Derek Jones Jr., um, those are my, my two from the season, but, uh, in, in the off season, I did one with, um, uh, Michael Frazier, who is actually in the Orlando bubble that's starting at the G league, yeah, G league. Uh, there's a game a, today, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah uh, he's yeah. playing for the Delaware blue coats, which is a okay. Philadelphia 76ers, um, nice uh, affiliate. And then, uh, actually don't know if you remember, but Joe Alexander, who is a top 10 pick, uh, what, like 13 years ago, 14 years ago, had a very good interview with him too. Um, that was really, really in depth and talked about his, his, his NBA career, but also just his career overseas and how he's enjoying life. So uh, make sure you check those out. And of course, make sure you check out Alex Kennedy's work too, because he's had interviews with guys like Miles Turner and Nikola Vucevic and Larry Nance Jr. We're getting big time guys. So uh, nice. make sure you go check those out. And, um, Nikias Duncan film breakdowns. Can't forget to mention those. Nikias has been on the show, man. That's great. That's great. He's great. That's awesome. Yeah, he is. He's definitely, definitely. Uh, Spencer, great stuff. You're always welcome back. Talk soon. Sounds good, Andrew. Thanks, bro. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court. Big shouts to Spencer for joining in. We appreciate you, Combo Nation. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Be on the lookout for episode 241, Combo Out.